Hey all, welcome to Film Suck, a Patreon podcast in which we ponder the work of art in the age of crap cinema. I'm Eileen Jones. And I'm Dolores McElroy. And today we are talking about Elvis, the new film co-written and directed by Baz Luhrmann, and that's currently playing in theaters and, and it's doing very well. Um, you may know the Australian writer, director, actor, producer Luhrmann from such hysterically overproduced lunacies <laughs> as The Great Gatsby, Australia, Moulin Rouge, and or, and or you might remember his early, I think, more charming films that put him on the map, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet and Strictly Ballroom. Lurman only makes a film every few years. It's usually up to four or five or even more years between. He does a, a fair amount of acting, stage work, has projects in various fields, stage, opera, television, music industry. He still ha is the record holder for making the most expensive ad of all time a $33 million <laughs> Chanel ad starring Nicole Kidman. Uh, I have to see that, I guess. Um, and he has, the, uh, his initial career work was in the stage. He comes off the stage. Strictly Ballroom was a stage hit before he adapted it to film. Um, his mother was a ballroom dancer. His father owned a, a movie theater and gas station combined, <laughs> I guess, on one lot. And he claims to be highly influenced by Italian opera, fashion, and Bollywood films, which raises the question for us, I think, why don't we love this guy? <laughs> uh, we should. You know, melodrama. He loves, he's clearly a melodramatist. I don't know. We'll talk about this and try to figure out the answer by talking about his latest film, Elvis. So what do we think of this film overall? Uh, Dolores, I know you've got a take, so carry on. Okay, yeah, we're, we're going <laughs> to disagree on this one, yeah, fam. Yes, we are. Woo! Um, I loved it. <laughs> um, not unequivocally, but I, what I loved about it, I love the celebration of the commercialism and the Vegas aesthetic. And I don't love Baz Luhrmann, typically, as, as we stated. Um, the last film of his I really liked was Romeo and Juliet. He lost me at Moulin Rouge. I thought it was is just video, you know, music video aesthetic and postmodernist uh, song choices for their own sake. It didn't really seem like tied to the content of the film. Here, I think the postmodernism works. There's contemporary hip hop mixed with older songs. Um, here, I think his uh, hyper aesthetic, uh, his more is more really works because that's the aesthetic of the Elvis phenomenon. And I loved uh, the uh, always for me, the fear in watching a film about Elvis or the let me call it the authenticity thesis <laughs> is one that really irks me that Elvis was like only good when he was young and that he was singing some kind of like authentic music, um, you know, usually tied with like a myth of some like authentic, uh, you know, I don't know, American music Um and there's a whole racial question we're going to talk about, but that he like, you know, channeled some like, you know, some essence of black music and that he lost that um, and that the Vegas years were, you know, garbage. I don't agree with that. I was raised on Elvis, all Elvis, but including the Vegas years, including Aloha from Hawaii. And I've always thought those concerts with the sweet inspirations and the huge band and thus spake Zarathustra <laughs> introduction <laughs> were stupendous, you know, like so entertaining and wonderful and like he had sold to the end of his life um and i love that this film champions even the the art of the vegas years um it's you know and it's not straightforward like elvis admits to or expresses concern about 
becoming a parody of himself and his uncoolness is definitely like addressed. Um, but also the like thrill of those Vegas concerts is on screen. So I love that this didn't fall into the like only young Elvis is good. Everything else is bad. And like things shouldn't be so commercial. It was just like, let's put on our sequin jumpsuits, and like jump in. And for that, I, I thought it was great. Also blown away by Austin Butler. Eileen, what did you think? Well, <laughs> it really does seem like we, we watched different films. Um, okay. Because <laughs> your attention was clearly fixed on certain things in a way that, and mine was on others. So okay. I was driven absolutely mad by, by Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker. Oh, me too. I hated it. Oh my God. <laughs> I yeah. just thought it was appalling. And, and I will say, I guess sort of in Hanks' defense, it was, it's clear Lerman shoved him in there like the the act the ludicrous accent yeah there was no such insane accent that and he and hanks has said specifically lerman wanted him to sound as quote-unquote foreign as alien as possible mm. to really emphasize that this guy is the shadiness of this guy you know if you know about colonel tom parker this used to just be such common knowledge so i don't know i also was raised absolutely soaked in elvis i'm so familiar with elvis just through us pop culture osmosis he was everywhere in the culture <laughs> that i i guess i have a more of an ownership feel about about elvis than i even realized but at any rate it's it's a crazy take on on this character for one thing i mean i was looking just to see how accurate because you know most people have never heard him speak colonel tom parker mm -hmm. and i finally i think there's one recording you can get on youtube hardly ever did interviews he is so trying to be an American and sound like an, he's dressing that way. He takes the name Colonel Tom Parker, which isn't his name. He's Dutch. Um, his actual name is some tricky ass thing. What is it? What is it? I'll never find it. Time. Oh, oh yeah. Andreas Cornelis Van Kujic. who's <laughs> in the United States legally. He, he had, he'd gone AWOL from the army, all of these things that, that it's true. It's sort of you know, represented the movie as he doesn't want to leave the country when Elvis wants to go on an international tour because he, you know, he knows the passport issue is going to get him into a ton of trouble. So so he's trying not to be outed. So he had actually adopts an accent that can pass for American, certainly, and Southern pretty much. Somewhere it's vaguely Southwestern. Mm -hmm. he's not, as his biographer says, you know, whatever else he was, he was not dumb. <laughs> and he was never going to be going around making himself extra freakish. He was going to try to blend into the South that he knew. And he did it. Most people had no idea he wasn't Colonel Tom Parker, a Southerner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elvis didn't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so at any rate. Um, but so much for me, the big, even bigger problem than the accent, the fact suit, the nose, all the acting where you're just like, stop. Mm -hmm. You're constantly making me think of Tom Hanks trying to pull off, you know, a bit of off casting. It was maddening. It was for me, I was watching an angel versus devil narrative that was ludicrous mm. that everyone knew colonel tom parker was just the shadiest he was hugely exploitative of course he did some great things for elvis in many ways but you know it was widely known very very shady character um but they're making him this to me there's scene after scene after scene of what a demon he is just, just constantly even if they give him some lugubrious touches <laughs> my god He's he so represents the bad that I'm just baffled by your thinking. This is so approving of 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 the idea that there's no authentic Elvis. The whole thing is about the authentic Elvis and how. Oh Elvis no no! I, 
I think you misunderstood me. I, I yeah. think it believes in an authentic Elvis, but it doesn't yeah. place that authenticity just in the early years. It no, it doesn't. That, You're right there. Yeah, but it says it, that those Vegas... Show... Go well, ahead. Go ahead. It just it, that it also seems to show repeatedly how Elvis has to dig deep to find himself again and translate himself again in order to keep in order to keep burying it and working it all with the colonel making him work. So we get ludicrous, ludicrous climactic scenes that never happen, like that the TV show thing where they build an entire right. set <laughs> that's the Christmas show ridiculously sanitized, you know, middle American sensibility, safe playing thing that supposedly the colonel wants. Supposedly that show, he thinks that show is going to run and Elvis has them swing the cameras around so he can sing, what is it? Um, if I can dream. Mm-hmm. Very dramatically, it's supposed to be about his, his, his intense feelings about the death of JFK, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That, that's not only A, impossible, ludicrous, if you know anything about anything. <laughs> it never could <laughs> happen. A it, show. Did, right. it did not happen. Making a show, exactly. It did, never happened, did not happen. Yes, the colonel did want him to do Christmas stuff. I think they did wind up compromising, and he, I think he did Blue Christmas, which is a perfectly excellent song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just that kind of constant, constant referring to how Elvis has to fight to find a way to translate his authentic self which, by the way, the movie entirely locates in the black music tradition. You would never know Elvis had strong, 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 strong influences from other areas. It just showcases, and again, ridiculous scene of Elvis going right from, you know, peering through a chink in the wall of a black brothel watching Arthur Crudup play, uh, you know, a version of uh, uh, That's All Right, which Elvis is going to take up as the song that makes him first, makes him a breakthrough singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then going directly to the black church, which is, you know, apparently next door and running right into the black church. And just so you can see, and I know you think Anthony Lane is insane for this. For once, I agreed with him. Anthony Lane is like, oh, come on. That's kind of insane. But it's also so overly dramatized how he's got the sacred and the profane. But both are drawn directly from black culture. And of course, black culture so often stands in in this bizarre way for the authentic in this culture. So they yeah. do nothing with Elvis's absolute worship <laughs> of many, many oldie timey hillbilly white singers and all yeah, those and other gospel influences. Groups. Oh, yeah. and gospel groups, white and black. Right. Um, here it's only black. So it's this ah, so for me, the authenticity bids aligning with Elvis as the good keeps being reinvoked even when he gets to Vegas and he winds up sort of trapped or tricked into Vegas initially and then trapped in Vegas and he has to sing suspicious minds fifty thousand times. Because it starts, I'm caught in a trap. We're caught in a trap. We can't get out. So he he has to, even when he's doing his Vegas show, he has to be like, well, I've been working on this big new big sound. And it has to be all pulled out of Elvis himself as if he's channeling, <laughs> you know, his essential self. In def- always has to be in defiance of the colonel. Well, well I'm with stupid. you. I, I do not disagree with that. I just want to be really clear. The thing yeah. I was relieved didn't exist is that mm-hmm. a sort of like pop culture line about Elvis is that the authentic Elvis only exists in the early years. No, I know. So I but- like that they've showed the fight for, quote, authenticity in the Vegas style. And that it could survive in the Vegas style. Yeah. But at the same time. It, the movie still demonizes Vegas by making him trapped in Vegas. Even if Elvis is being shown to be so protean in his brilliance, he keeps finding ways. He keeps finding ways over and over, in spite of the corruption he's trapped in, which is the current rep, all represented by the colonel. Yeah. 
he still finds ways to translate his authentic greatness, <laughs> his authentic derived from black culture greatness into new forms. So there's always this importance of shots of like the black singers backing him up and so on. So we get reminded over and over again, it's authentic Elvis again. He just, he found a way in spite of this horrible kernel to, to do this again. So I think they're, he's, Lerman, perhaps to his credit, is just finding a trickier way to do the same argument, which, which drove me crazy straight, straight, straight through. So I think I was just focused on, this is a version of melodrama, and by the way, I love melodrama, that gives melodrama a bad name. It constantly flattens any complexity. And you were looking at other aspects that, oh, and being relieved and going, oh, at least they're not doing this thing, which they often do. So anyway, long story short, I just think we're just, we're placing different emphases on different elements. I'm yeah. being maddened by what seems to me is a bad version of melodrama. You're being pleased that you're not seeing certain moves that you hate being made as simply or, 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 or in a certain way that you're used to seeing, which yeah. is true. If you even see the stamp, remember the voting for the, for the Elvis stamp? Yes. And it was who wants the authentic early Elvis and who wants the Vegas Elvis. <laughs> and I think didn't authentic win, but then they went with both. I can't remember how they judged it. Oh, I'm sure they went with early Elvis. I, I think, think they I went with early, yeah. early Elvis because yeah. the voting was, of course, we want the authentic Elvis. So, yeah, that preoccupation, you know, just, that doesn't go away. But anyway, carry yeah. on. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I think we'll flesh out our opinions as, yeah, we, as we go. go. Um, um, but may, do we want to start with, I, I, I completely agree with mm. your assessment of Tom Hanks's casting and performance. It was right. so distracting. I had the exact mm. same issue. I couldn't stop seeing Tom Hanks in a fat suit with an mm. accent. Um, I think like intellectually, it was kind of clever I, I, to cast Tom Hanks in this role because Colonel Tom is so sleazily sentimental. Those are, those are kind of Tom mm -hmm. Hanks's films, you know, mm -hmm. um, but like experientially, I do not think it worked. I completely agree. It was very, very distracting. And right. I, yeah. Oh, I, now that you say that, I think that would have been clever. That would have been clever if he'd let Tom Hanks do what I think is implied in the interviews Tom Hanks initially planned to do, which was to try to approximate the actual voice, which passed. Right. Which totally, that would have been much better. If he'd pulled that performance back by 75%. Yeah. You know, a little bit of fat, just played it with his regular face. If you look at photos of Colonel Tom Parker now, you're like, yeah, believe me, he's not going to win any beauty contests, but you're like, oh, he looks kind of normal. Compared! Because right, right. he's being presented like Quasimodo or something. I think you're right. That would have been really clever to have all those everyman heartland uh, Tom Hanks qualities that are so sentimental. By this point, Tom Hanks' career has just gotten almost unbearable. Right. It's so glutinous. That would, <laughs> and, and the flim flamminess would have been wonderful. And Tom Hanks seems to know it. Tom Hanks, when he did his guest spot on um, The Simpsons, um, there was all this bit about, you know, would you tussle my hair, Tom Hanks? And he'd tussle a bullet, little boy's hair in a sentimental moment and little sparkles <laughs> would come off. Because, you know, he's bringing the authentic Artland everywhere he goes. <laughs> so I think he kind of knows that that's where he is and he's stuck with it. Speaking yeah. of fame, Tom Hanks is stuck with this, God, every man hero thing that he's never going to be able to stop playing until he dies. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, so, all right, how to, uh, I think this can help us segue into the film's attitude yeah, well, towards. Let me just, let me just want, note quickly, because we're going to skip it if I don't. It's a, this is a very big box office success, by the way. So just so you know, it's past Top Gun 2, which nobody's been able to do up to, for, for weeks and weeks. Um, it's very popular with an unprecedented audience in recent times, older, much older. 29% um, of the people going are over 55. 
That's <laughs> wild. These people don't just, we, we, I should say, we don't go to the movies. I do because I'm a critic, but mostly not. We're not represented. And then over 35, you know, another 56%. So it's mainly skewing older. Of course, the Southerners are, are more represented and women are more represented seeing Elvis. But it's doing, it's doing excellent business. So this is an amazing rocking summer coming out of the pandemic. You know, it's got to be noted. Oh, yeah. anyway, sorry. So let's carry on. What were you saying? Well, I, I mean, okay. So an interesting thing, like speaking of Colonel Tom's sleazy yeah. sentimentalism, mm -hmm. the film opens with like a, a circus setting. Yeah. And Colonel Tom, as we know, it, he calls himself the snowman. He's basically, mm. you know, he's a snake oil salesman. He's um, he'll he'll do anything for a buck. And he yeah. he always has his eye out for the next uh, big profitable act. Um, very interesting that Colonel Tom Parker's favorite film was Nightmare Alley. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. right. Which is yikes. It's it's such a noir. Well, we've talked about it. I think we've referred to it before, haven't we? Didn't we yeah, talk about it? We, we reviewed it. We reviewed right. the new we one. We reviewed it and the new Nightmare Alley. We talked about the one. Right. Carry on. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a um a poster of the geek, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a nightmare alley reference and like a real historical figure that you know, the geek was like a circus act where usually a really hopeless down and out alcoholic mm -hmm. um would bite the head off chickens uh in exchange for booze and a place to sleep mm -hmm. um so it's the lowest of the low carnival acts and there is a sequence kind of early in the film where elvis mm -hmm. has become a success as a young man and colonel tom is looking over his shoulder as he as elvis peers uh at a at a poster of the geek mm -hmm. and so i mean there's definitely there's a critique <laughs> yeah, well, just a little one <laughs> Is in the entertainment oh, industry God. but i mean what i kind of liked about this film is that it just let i don't know to me it's the same old critique there always is in every kind of right. glossy exciting hollywood film but i i kind of like that it showed you know elvis i think ultimately the colonel tom parker character mm. says this elvis did it because he, you know he loved the love from the fans like mm -hmm. yeah he was totally he would have taken his career in other directions if it weren't for colonel tom parker but um he I, this kind of there's like a myth like if only he could become a normal person <laughs> if well, only yeah, yeah. you know he drove the himself same one they the same judy garland myth. <laughs> the judy garland myth then he would have been happy. And you're like, are you mad? He would right. not have been happy. My God. He was that. a driving force of a human being. And like, <laughs> I, I, for one, think like most people who end up superstars would continue to drive themselves into the ground. And yes, does the Hollywood Vegas machine make it much easier to do that? Of course, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't think, uh, I mean, it totally implicates the system, but it mm -hmm. also admits to like the drug of fame. And I liked it for that. Mm -hmm. So well, that's my piece. <laughs> I guess I guess that's where I get confused because because yeah, sure, drug of fame, and Elvis gets to a level of fame which is this terrifying level. Of fame. It's the Judy Garland level where there's no safe, <laughs> there's yeah. no safe way out of that once you're in it. I mean, it's you're too famous at that point, and he really is. You become a prisoner of your image, maybe even a prisoner in your home because you can't ever go out yeah. and, and have any normal experiences, etc. So. Sure, that's that's fine, but I but there's also those weird contradictions that the movie also builds in. This crazy statement that keeps being reaffirmed is there never could have been an Elvis if there weren't a Colonel Tom Parker. And I'm like, who said that, Colonel Tom Parker? Yeah, <laughs> that's such true. bullshit. I've never. That's unbelievably ridiculous. He was already represented by somebody before Tom Parker. And sure, Tom Parker, great showman, clearly smarmy ass but knew how to work systems absolutely i'm sure did some some very smart things for elvis also some really 
sad things. Yeah. But some really smart moves, no doubt about that. But come on, some other shark would have represented Elvis. Elvis was a phenomenon. Johnny Cash sure. said Elvis was the greatest performer of them all. He was touring with Elvis when Elvis was 19. And not because he was the greatest singer. He'd be like, no, he's a good singer. And it's a great sense of rhythm, but it's the X factor. It's the charisma. It's the magic. He said, not all just women flocking outstage, shrieking from early, early on, but men transfixed. The people backstage, hardened professionals are standing there watching him. Oh, absolutely. He just, he just had it. He had it to such a degree. There was not going to be any Elvis has to go back to wherever. <laughs> he couldn't go back to Mississippi, but somewhere right. in the South to sort of live a normal. That was never going to happen to Elvis. Elvis was going to be famous one way or another. And not only, it's not only, think about it. This doesn't get stressed enough because Austin Butler, frankly, isn't as good looking as Elvis. Elvis, when he was young, was practically eerie. He was so good looking. Mm -hmm. He was crazy good looking to the point that he could just waltz over to Hollywood and there's no one saying, you know, you're going to have to fix your, fix your nose or anything. <laughs> he, he can walk right into close-ups and look like, I mean, he looks shellacked and everything, <laughs> but he was just beautiful. And so there's that. He just was a show business package that was going to happen regardless. So it's, it's that weird kind of claim, again, where you, you melodramatically loop in the colonel as this figure that represents this kind of ultimate corruption of fame, etc. Mm -hmm. Where I like better your thesis, your Judy Garland thesis. Sure, but he was never going to be able to be normal. He was going to he was one way or another. He was going to be in that circle, colonel or no colonel. So I like I do like that better. Yeah, but I, I but condemning fame, sure. It's insane. I, and I can just attest, even if you've ever been in a room with fame, you've never seen anything like I've never seen anything like what I saw in just in the tiniest ways right. in the independent film world, getting into a room where Barbara Streisand. <laughs> that was so freakish. Oh, my God. Tell was, me about that. What? We haven't talked about this. Oh, it was a, <laughs> it was a film. For, I wish I could remember the details better. It was some it was some after party after a film. But it was kind of a big deal. And this was when the directors I was working with were on their upswing. So they were starting to get invitations to places where big people were. And she was sat. She, people were being sat at booths. It was a very elegant kind of club-like setting. She was in, of course, the number one booth with, it was Michelangelo Antonioni. And I wish I could remember, there was a third person. So it was not wow. just fame, but like major high culture bread. And she was led in. She was surrounded, like there were two or three people, of course, <laughs> on all sides to make sure no one would approach her who wasn't an appropriate level of fame. She was led right to that booth, sat in the middle between the two other super famous people. And she did not look happy. She uh -huh. looked anxious. She Poor looked Babs. kind of stiff and anxious. And I was just like, God, you can't get any more famous than you are. <laughs> Clearly, just from the handling of you is telling everyone, this woman doesn't go out. <laughs> ever just anywhere she gets shepherded into places and she knows everyone in the room is staring at her which everyone is everyone yeah. is surreptitiously staring yeah so it's it just it's fame of course yeah i'm not saying anything people couldn't figure out for themselves it's not you so much as the way everyone acts toward you mm -hmm. <laughs> everyone freaks but tries to pretend they're not freaking and try, but everyone wants a piece of you everyone would like to meet you everyone's trying not to stare at you while they stare at you you change rooms, you change auditoriums, you change every place you go, alters because of level of fame. Yes. So anyway, it's a freak, and people will fight for it. People at the lowest levels will fight and claw and rip each other's throats out in a way you can hardly believe is for real until you're in it. And then you're like, I'm getting out because I can't stand it. Right, um, right. Yeah, so it's a, ter it's a terrifying thing. And 
I do like studies of fame for that reason. It's so insane, such an insane thing, even at low levels. And he he gets to the very highest level where it's going to be peak insanity. Yeah. I, so I like all, I do like studies like that. I I mean I'm I kind of am an admirer of it's a it's a crappier boo version it's a, it's i think it's a made for tv movie 1979 directed by john carpenter version with kurt with kurt russell as elvis oh god wow who is, who is surprising <laughs> young kurt russell is surprisingly great wow surprisingly right. great as as he's the best thing in it <laughs> and, but it's 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 low and it's tawdry in a way that shows elvis was also he was fully at home in the world of low and tawdry look at graceland Oh you know, yeah, I mean this. Yeah, and this movie doesn't seem to do that. It keeps trying to make him less tawdry than he was. Is it because again, it seems to be this thesis that Blop Lerman is working on. Elvis is the true gold of true talent, true taste, true genius. Colonel is the corrupting dross, and I'm just going. Elvis had plenty of dross. We loved him because he was one of us. He was famous like a lot of us would have been famous. You know, you know, most people don't have the greatest taste. Most people would, would go loud and ostentatious. Most people would, you know, flip out and buy things for their mama and Cadillacs for their friends. And, you know, we read about people who win the lottery. So he so there was part of the he's one of us. He represents us. But of course, he's not really one of us. Um, excitement about that. And it just seems like the movie for me and maybe I was over obsessing just kept splitting it down. Like, this is the good, this is the bad. Look how they're pitted against each other, which which drove me hmm. mad. So anyway, sorry, I keep repeating myself. No, that's okay. I, I guess, yeah, I didn't see it so starkly. Yeah. And it, in fact, I was surprised by Anthony Lane's claim that the film shied away from his commercialism and spending. Um, to, to, I mean, we saw Grace, we saw Graceland, we saw mm-hmm. the outfits. We, we do saw see people the, tell him you're spending like crazy. Yeah. 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 We saw the Hollywood grind of these meaningless, stupid films. Um, Which I loved. So I resented that section very much. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love and, those movies. He was I mean, great. He was fun. a great film star. He was a great film star. I mean, Viva yeah, Las Vegas. I mean, of course, they get worse and worse. And toward the end, they're horrifically bad. But there yeah. was something wonderful. Certainly, Viva Las Vegas has just absolutely stellar, you know, scenes, sequences, dance things. Him and Anne Margaret are oh practically my God. related. They practically look like brother and sister while they're on lovers. fire. Yeah. On fire. Um, so there's really a fascination. Yeah, it's not. If you love Elvis as a as a singer performer, it's it's not the greatest because it's so canned and has a, a very high cheese factor. But it's also right. wonderful and energetic and lovable. A lot of those movies. So I was really pissed. They just turned it into this is the worst possible thing that could ever have happened. He wanted. He desperately wanted to be a film star, and I don't think just a serious actor. He didn't. Yeah, die I wondered his hair about jet that. Black. Belabored. Yeah. He kept, in the movie, he keeps saying he wants to be a serious actor like James, like James Dean. Dean. I'm like, really? I mean, maybe he said that a couple times, but well, I, he also wanted to dye his hair jet black in part because his idol was Tony Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> like a heartthrob. So yeah. I just like, no, they, this is what keeps happening. It's like his own tendencies that are in any way Colonel Parker-ish, at least in the reading of the movie, like leaning toward what people often think of as low class commercial less than high ambition is is you know snipped out is kept out and there's certainly a lot of whitewashing of just 
The womanizing, unbelievable. They oh, have yeah. Well, in a hotel room with one woman once, I think. Absurd. <laughs> absurd. Well, absurd. We'll we'll get back to that. But I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, and maybe it's too twisty to say. Mm. I mean, I, I can see your points that the film, mm. is, you know, says like Crassel. I don't know. I, I just thought the aesthetic of the film itself was so blinged out. It seemed to revel true. in the hyper commercialism of Elvis, which I loved. Uh-huh. Um, it, and again, you're right about that, because that explains the opening credits which are vegas all the way right exactly complete blingy tawdry so that's what puzzled me i thought that's what i thought when i first started i'm like oh my god he's gonna go for vegas elvis as the way to look at elvis which i love well which you loved and you (laughs) followed it through and said yeah he's doing it and i went no he isn't he's going right back to authenticity what the hell so anyway okay but at least he lets it come i mean well, we don't, we've already stated our piece yeah, yeah. on that, but okay. Okay. This is why I don't listen to artists because right. like Lerman claimed that he wanted to restore humanity to Elvis. Right. He became, right. he said yeah. like a Halloween costume or wallpaper. Mm-hmm. He's so there, he's not there anymore. I don't disagree mm-hmm. with his, you know, uh, assessment of Elvis's mm-hmm. image today. D- do I think that he like restored whatever the hell humanity means to Elvis? No, mm-hmm. I don't think that's what the film does. I mean, mm-hmm. he's in, you know, I think he's a fairly... I don't know, a reasonably fleshed out character. But what I loved about the film, which mm. might not have been Baz Luhrmann's in- intent, was I loved the celebration of this like diabolical perverse machine <laughs> that mm. is American show business. And it does mm. this thing that the best to me, the best showbiz movies do are mm. it shows you how evil it is an absolutely devouring system, mm-hmm. you know, and and it shows you the genius of the system right away. The system can pick up poor dead Elvis and all the carnage and turn it into this amazing, exciting melodrama, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better word. And it's dizzying. I'm not saying it's like morally good. OK, I'm not making an argument. I'm just saying it's extremely exciting. And this film seemed to like um, reiterate like, uh, all right, this might be unsavory as hell. And uh, but. Like, look at this mess that is American culture that is like Mm -hmm. minstrelsy and Hollywood and Vegas. And like, in case you forgot, it is so energizing. (laughs) And if you're a reflective person, you might think about, okay, like, why is it energizing, energizing, Mm -hmm. energizing how, you know, I mean, the worst of it is that people will be just like, hell yeah, let's go to Vegas. Mm -hmm. You know, at the very best, it could encourage some reflection i I guess i just liked that to me it kind of seemed like all right we just vomited everything about the system that is and it's on the screen and uh, to me there was less moralizing than your typical flick but maybe uh, maybe that's where we diverge that's definitely where all right where we diverge yeah well it's even to the point that priscilla presley who is like can't be more behind this movie and you can't help but be think cynically of the devouring maw of showbiz oh yeah you know are graceland numbers down i mean is, right. is, are the records not selling as well she and lisa and the whole and riley key the whole three generations yep. of presley women are, are shilling for this film like unbel- and just saying Austin Butler is Elvis. This is exactly right. But then Priscilla Presley would be kind of like, well, yes, that's exactly what Elvis went through. But maybe we're maybe the colonel, there was another side to him. He actually was a really nice guy. Well, on the other, you know, she's, she's sort that. of shifting around. <laughs> but she the main move is this has got to be the greatest Elvis movie. And we're we're, you know, Lerman's take seems to be I'm putting the, him back on the map. Mm. I found it very interesting. So many commentators are picking up on that and saying, 
this is really a movie for people who are in who are young and don't remember Elvis and aren't soaked in Elvis because mm-hmm. Elvis is kind of receded as a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I thought. I, and then I read the numbers and I'm like, no, this is this is the older crowd is loving. At least it seems the older crowd is really who's loving this and into this. The, and it's the people who knew Elvis. Yeah. Who are loving this. So I, I was I was the one going. Yeah, that's right. I'm older. I have I have such vivid. Mem- I always liked Elvis. I have such vivid memories of Elvis. I grew up with Elvis. That for me, I'm nitpicking all over the place. Going, ah, that's such, that's so cheap. That's so dumb. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Because I just hated the, I hated the, the, the binary position so hard. And the way he kept editing out everything that would complicate it. Mm-hmm. Everything. Like, you know, El- Colonel Parker doesn't want sexy Elvis because it's going to, Colonel Parker wanted sexy Elvis. What was of driving course, the what money? what else would sell? Yeah. Oh my God. And, but, you know, Elvis went on. Ed Sullivan, the thing that really puts him across nationwide. Notice they don't do that. Well, why? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. Mm-hmm. Elvis goes on, you know, Ed Sullivan was a complete right wing straight arrow. And he's like, there will be no, no wiggling, no nothing. <laughs> and he goes on and sings a tender bell. He sings Love Me Tender. Mm-hmm. It's become such a record breaking gazillion seller that that's what makes him finally an enormous you know, national star. And they don't do it because it, it it doesn't conform to the to the angel demon thing. You can't have Elvis up there singing without doing the wiggling. There's no sex stuff. It's very sweet. It's very tender. It's very traditional. Mm-hmm. And it's his biggest it's his biggest thing that happens to him so far. But it doesn't fit what Lerman is trying to sell us, which is such a con game. It's worthy of worthy of what he claims Colonel Parker is. It's just absurd. So for me, I just maybe I know too much that, or I'm just like too I am too attached to an idea of Elvis that I like better. Which is the complexities are what are what are great. It's all the multi strands <laughs> that he that come together in the figure of Elvis that are cool that I like the best. Sure. So anyway, well, I mean, speak. All right. So speaking of complexity, should mm. we tackle the racial politics of this? Yeah, time? Might as well. <laughs> which were a mess, an absolute mess. Oh my god, Woo! weird as hell. Weird, yeah, weird. I, I mean, felt, yeah. It definitely like perpetuated the standard. I would say like boomer era view of Elvis, which, right. which is that he was a real as you said friend to the black community yeah um and but at the same time he was stealing from black artists and getting you know that was that was sort of the dark side of it right right Uh, but but yeah the more the like the i would say that before the like critique of elvis there was the idea that like elvis was somehow you know and i'm using this in quotation marks, like mm. authentically black somehow, you know, like he oh, was okay. raised in Tupelo, Mississippi right, right. A- among black people, which is true. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, because like mu- that music was kind of in the water there, <laughs> you know, mm. he just like moved like a black boy. And there are many, mm. uh, you know, headlines of the time of the fifties, right. like attesting to that point of view. Right, and it's true. Right. And he did face like a real criticism for that because a lot of mm. people did think of that as crossing some kind of segregation line. Um, and then later, the the view becomes that Elvis stole black music, um, mm-hmm. and that's you know, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so this uh, this film like acknowledges the debt to black music, all it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the cows come home. But it also doesn't, to me, it doesn't like indict the industry. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't talk about how black artists, you know, for instance, there's no like I don't know black, you know, Big Mama Thornton. Uh, you don't talk about how much money she didn't make on Hound Dog, <laughs> right. which, which Elvis then records and has a big hit with. Right. Um, 
And I, I mean, I always thought it's kind of like misdirected to blame an individual artist. Like it's not Elvis's personal, personal entire fault, fault <laughs> that America has a huge race problem and the music yeah. industry does not promote or play black art or pay black artists. Uh. Um, but this film is is messed up in its in its treatment. Um, do you want to talk yeah. a little bit about that? Well, yeah, and it even gives it it takes BB King, the great BB King, and makes him the black best friend in a way right. that is so cringy. It's just like, see, Elvis has a black friend. Yeah. And so he's constantly early on, like running into BB King, and BB King is just there to stare at him wide-eyed in an affirming way. Though he does have the one line that rings true where you know this is when elvis he's being threatened with arrest if he does any more of these sexual gyrations in public and so on which you know pretty true yeah. and he says they're never going to arrest you man they'd arrest me for walking right. across the street practically but they are not going to arrest you because they're making too much money off you and that was exactly right and colonel parker knew it too yep. so but the movie insists on nope the cops came in and picked him we see him being driven off in the top car and you're just like oh you know there's there's yeah so but at, but at least the he gets that one line to say come on let's have a little just a tiny injection of reality yeah. into this yeah um you know and you know supposedly i read up on it a little bit how good friends were they they were friendly acquaintances they did run into each other they were fr they knew each other before he became famous they were both on beale street running into each other in clubs that's mm -hmm. all true yeah but they, it's not like the, the kind of tight friends that it seems to be suggesting sounds like not so much right right so and that's awkward as ass it's, it's very cringe yeah and, you know there's a lot there are lots of scenes of elvis gunning away from graceland in a huff when fame or his family gets to be too much and then right. you know he goes which i think is true i mean i think he did hang out a lot of, uh, in black clubs um, oh he did he did yes. yeah yes 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 that's all true yeah yeah but, but then, it does it, it's just the way it's set up yes that it's so insistent on that one strand of influence and and it's so you know so refusing to to indicate you know H hank snow was someone he had was one of his heroes it wasn't it wasn't right. just that you know he's the guy who was on the hank snow tour bill who overtook hank snow um which true enough but you know that he had all these heroes that can't be acknowledged in this version and why it's so obvious he was he was channeling singer uh, singers of all different types in american yeah. culture and you know, it's not like the history of the South is clear. There were there were great no, <laughs> white, white performers, mixing. great black performers, and there was a, all this mixing, and that's what made it such a rich tradition. I don't know. I was baff I was baffled. Yeah, I one. I mean, I, you hate the. <laughs> I know you hate the like saints and sinners sequence. Yeah. I, I I liked it. I mean, you're right; it's reductive, but I did think it was pretty energetic. Like, and it's pretty memorable. Elvis peeking Which, in and hearing oh, courthouse music, in. and uh -huh. then like you know going running to the, the black church to a Pentecostal <laughs> tent. <laughs> you know, oh. um, it, I don't mm. know. I I thought those were juxtaposed. Let's say energetically, but you're right; it leaves out the like white gospel and country music that he obviously listened to yeah so, yeah. yeah um yeah true <laughs> well and you know we might as well throw into the mix the the you know, lerman really wants to emphasize what he calls you know sexual i guess gender and sexual fluidity of elvis that was mm -hmm. pioneering he feels and you know that elvis would wear like eyeliner and he, he he was wearing makeup early on he'd wear kind of daring colors for a man et cetera. Et cetera. i guess uh, it's just seemed to me i don't know about the makeup but you know, Southern singers were <laughs> way into 
you know, the sequins, the gorgeous, the crazy colors. I don't think he was the only guy to wear a pink suit. I mean, he might have been the first to wear those little those little tops with the that are semi see through, maybe. But I would even be surprised by that. I think he was surrounded by very daring fashion at the very. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's wrong to single him out for that, but I I do think that he. Mm, I don't know. Think about him like next to the singers of the previous generation, you know? Well, yes, they're very stiff. They have that very stiff, masculine body posture. Yeah. yeah. You can see how Elvis would get lumped in with Brando and Dean. Right. He's part of this vanguard of men who are starting to incorporate, you know, what are considered traditionally feminine qualities into their, their way of moving, their postures, their behaviors, et cetera. He absolutely is doing it. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's so beautiful. I mean, he's, he's so uh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> He like, was getting into fights early on because he was considered, not only was he a mama's boy, which pretty. he truly was in the most ultimate sense. Yes. Um, he loved his mother, according to Johnny Cash, first, then the music, then the other girls. Yeah. <laughs> he was mama first. <laughs> he, he was legendary for that. Um, and he was, because he was just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there, you know, we think, I think we think of stars of the past as mm. like reductively, uh, I don't know, like, you know, uber masculine or uber mm. feminine. And I mean, it's just a reminder, like most of the greatest stars are like are really so, ambiguous. <laughs> so ambiguous. That's what's yeah. so great about most of the great stars. Yeah. Uh, it really is. is. Definitely no exception. He's one of them. <laughs> so. He is. That, that is very true. Yeah. And yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And obviously the, the whole way of moving that's shocked everyone. It's partly, it's not just that it's sexual. It's like men had very stiff hold your a stand your ground kind, kind of <laughs> posture and moving you did not wiggle your hips that was for people from south of the border in a bad way that yeah. was a race thing too if you act at all moved your hips. oh for sure not white boy like, white boy black hips right exactly is, that's <laughs> the right, headlines that's right. from the 50s say so so that at least yes sure that's true um should know, we talk about austin butler Sure, yeah. Oh, we should. We skipped the part where we were supposed to talk about him as well. Yeah, besides Tom Hanks. He's getting all the notices, really. Yeah. You know, he, he, people are saying it's it's a star-making performance. People are completely wowed. I, I think, I again, I had a harder time with most people, but I have a harder time with biopics in general of stars for this mm. reason. It's mm -hmm. If you know them well, it's very hard to keep going, okay, okay. He does, a, he does quite a good job, a surprisingly good job singing. He's singing on the early Elvis songs. Oh, freaking incredible. Yeah, yeah. So he really trained himself hard, hard, hard. But you can see he's got the, a lot of the moves way down. He really does. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, he does the early ones. There's some mixing. Sometimes they mix Elvis and him in some of the songs. And then the later the, the later songs are Elvis. And, of course, the film actually goes to Elvis. Yeah, that's a, a really interesting of, choice. It's such an insane choice. <laughs> I was just sitting there going, are you out of your fucking mind? Uh -huh. Why are you doing this? You're only... You're only bringing to our attention the ways he's not like Elvis. God damn! And in the end, there's a whole thing where he keeps cutting back and forth between the the final the final dramatic, unchained melody rendering that Elvis actually did, of course, in, in Vegas when he's you know he's dying on stage. I mean, mm -hmm. he's literally in such horrific shape, as they say in the movie. He could hardly walk at that point, and so they keep going back and forth between. Just like it's just why. But anyway, Elvis is singing those, and if you've got a keen ear, you can tell. You can certainly tell if you know the rendition when you mm -hmm. get to the finally get to the in the ghetto song, which I've been waiting for the whole movie going, well, he's got to do the in the ghetto, song, <laughs> which is late Elvis. 
and I was a song I always loved from childhood on. Uh, it's talk about Bathos, but I still loved it anyway. He was great at <laughs> Bathos, by the way. Elvis was fabulous. He oh my god, sell, he could sell the big, big emotion songs like American nobody. Trilogy. Man, come on! Oh, I know he's so fucking. <laughs> he's just fabulous. Um, that was it. That I was immediately okay. That's him for sure. So mm-hmm. yeah. So but anyway, it's an art. It is a pretty artful mix, I have to say. I was oh yeah, fooled. I was fooled. Um, for a lot of it. I, I was um, amazed. I thought, yeah, he's yeah. way better than you'd think. Considering when I first saw him in the preview, I'm like, that punk? <laughs> he, he can't even get the same ballpark. No way. And then I, I, I was won over a bit. But I still don't think he's as great as everyone says. But then, you know, I'm just weird. Clearly. So everyone, <laughs> everyone loves him. And everyone agrees with Dolores on this one. Yeah, he's I, absolutely phenomenal and great. He was damn good. There was a false note or two. I agree with Anthony Lane, who noted uh, there's a scene after his mother dies and he's crying in the closet. Oh, I know. Uh, it doesn't work at all. No. Stuck out to me, too. I was like, ooh, cringe. Oh, and yeah. I don't. You're right. I, you know, it might not be Austin's fault. <laughs> it's I, I was a weird about to say, angle. That's, that's Lerman's fault. That was so awkwardly so. staged and, yep. and like. And it almost seems like he wanted it to be artificial. And I kept going, why? I'm with you. <laughs> why do you want it to be artificial? Yeah, he's much very, better. Like, Douglas Cirque. Like, <laughs> very. I think yeah. the colors, didn't the colors exactly. suddenly pop insanely? And yeah, yeah, I thought so too. And But then he has actually a nice scene where he goes out with his father and it's just heads hanging and he kind of awkwardly puts his arm around his father. And I see that's way better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it did seem kind of like he was deli- he was trying for something in that in the in the closet scene that didn't come off. Yeah. Right, right. So I don't know. But yeah, no, I thought I thought he had Elvis's humility down. Um, mm-hmm. even a little bit of danger, which I didn't think he could pull off necessarily. No, I definitely didn't think he pulled it off. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he did pretty well at the oh, uh, you know, whatever the, no. the rally where the uh, the fans riot. Um Oh yeah, yeah where I, he says you're gonna see the real Elvis here and all that, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which actually happened. Yeah. I just seemed like if you looked at Elvis, Elvis young Elvis really had you know, he he had this wonderful thing about his eyes. I've never seen anyone write. Maybe someone must have written about it. Everything about Elvis has been written about. But he, <laughs> certain camera angles, his eyes would go into deep shadow. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't eye shadow. It was like something about the, just the build of his face. And it would cast his eyes into darkness. And it was it's so beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful. And it has such an air of this is this is a creature half in darkness that's just gorgeous. And of I'm course, with you, you, know, you can't imitate that so easy. I um, truly, cry. I think Lisa Marie looks like that too sometimes. Oh, she does. I know, sometimes. I know what you're talking She's, about. She looks so much like him. It's scary. She's she does. Like She's so beautiful. Stamped. Yeah, in in her face. Yeah, absolutely. And then we mean, should. I, oh, carry on. Well, should, I mean, can we talk about the casting of Priscilla? I was about to say, let's go on to the Priscilla problem, as I call it. God, you liked her better than I like. No, her, no, I, I did not like you her. Didn't. No, oh, I'm wrong. Okay, you're right. You're right. Okay. I yeah. first of all, why did he not cast Lana Del Rey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. She looks so much like her. Oh my god, she would have been great. She's used to the beehive. Um, Olivia Dijon plays Priscilla. I don't know what else she has done. She's um, done a few things, and I looked her up, and I've already forgotten. But she's, okay, <laughs> yeah, she's the sort of yeah, simmering. Maybe can be. She's ten years older, of course. She's I think she's twenty four. Okay, Elvis was twenty four when he's first court- dating. Priscilla. Priscilla is 14. I thought it's when they met. When they met, but he's, they start seeing each other almost immediately, I think. Okay, it's, I mean, he's it's Elvis. It's not like nothing happens when they're 14, <laughs> and she's soon living with him, though supposedly they had a deal that they had to live celibately. Okay, you say. For years, they lived together. He doesn't marry her till, till 21. Yeah. But, you know, the very thing that, that kills Jerry Lee Lewis, admittedly, he marries Yeah, he married... <laughs> Which cousin. is different, but I mean, come on, it's very dishonest because this this actress looks 
much older than that. He does not look like too short. That's true. Um, That's true. So you're like, okay, you're, you're you decided for some reason to shy away from this. I don't know why. It's a famous fact, right, of, of Elvis's life, but for some reason they just don't want to touch. It. So yeah, so, so she's supposed to be a teen girl, but she looks 17, 18 anyway. Yeah, in the shots. Yeah, and to be and honest, she- I, I mean, I'm uninterested in the Elvis Priscilla thing in general. I have to uh-huh. admit, and I, the you know the the movie asked the romance plot to carry like a lot of emotional weight by the end, but like their relationship is not developed well. It's not at all. There's nothing. It's a completely colorless. They have no chemistry. Yeah. Right. Nothing seems to happen. The scenes are badly written, I think. There's just nothing coming. When she says, we're both lonely, and you're like, bullshit. I mean, he's lonely. <laughs> you, you're you just some girl. You're such a some girl, any girl. And you're just sitting there going, why her? Yeah. Why her? At least Priscilla Presley was much more striking looking. Oh, she's As a beautiful. young woman. And of course, the the word always was that, that she had some resemblance to, to his, mother his mother when she was young. <laughs> and that, of course, he insisted on dressing. You know, he literally would put her makeup on. I think there's a little scene where you show, they show that. He put all that heavy makeup on her. He, put the, he insisted on the black hair bouffant. And the argument always was, well, his mother. Mm-hmm. His mother had black hair. He's making all her over to resemble his yes. mother as much as possible. And that's what made it interesting. That was like the most interesting aspect of their relationship. Totally. That is not getting the play. I thought his mother was boring as hell. Yeah, she was. I she mean, had nothing. I, the writing, I think, again, because I thought the actress was pretty good. She kind of, she did look she like she just had mother. nothing to do. Yeah, yeah, she just had nothing. She just sort of looks tense and worried. Guess who plays the mother in the John Carpenter version? It's beautiful. <laughs> Shelly Winters. I knew you were going to say that. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, it's that is so genius. Because she does this wonderful performance where she's constantly doing that thing where she's being brave and reassuring Elvis and only expressing concern for Elvis. But of course, she, she's doing she's that southern inside. She's doing that southern woman thing where she's so shaky or she's clearly in such bad shape or she's clearly you know, <laughs> such an alcoholic and so devoured by it that everything in her body language screams. Pay attention to me. <laughs> yes. Love me, be with me while she's saying the opposite. It's nice. It's nice. And it's but, really a big performance. Of course, it's Shelly Winters. She doesn't know how to give any other kind. Right, right. So, and, you know, but you need something because Gladys was this monumental figure in his life. Like the figure in his life, you could argue. And yeah. they try to do that here where he's supposed to be destroyed. Obviously, we talked about the closet theme, but even after, he, he, he never recovers. That's the perhaps melodramatic, but I think not wrong mm-hmm. from his mother dying while he's while he's in the army. And they tell you that and they kind of suggest it, but it doesn't really come across. They, they don't give her enough. They don't give the actor enough to do to make it clear. I agree that, yeah, the film, that was definitely a case of telling, not showing for, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, confusingly, I mean, well, at first I'm kind of grateful they didn't give a lot of weight or like time to the Priscilla relationship. Cause who mm-hmm. cares? But I agree. They like really missed out on developing the perverse twin like yes. aspect. Of those <laughs> yes. two. Um, but in general, oh. why they totally whitewash his womanizing, which was constant oh, and legendary. Bizarre. Legendary. You like, can hardly read a biography of a, of a, of a woman actor of the time that he was in Hollywood who didn't sleep. Exactly. They all did. Right. He, he was just like a rabbit. He was out there screwing everything. And he wasn't even a good lover by most reports, but he was Elvis Presley. So it didn't matter. <laughs> yep. As, yep. as Natalie Wood said, well, he could sing. He couldn't <laughs> do much else. <laughs> you know, but it didn't matter. He's Elvis. And he was just so after just every woman, every woman. He was just, he was constant. 
So yeah. Priscilla Presley is not only putting up with the the, the fact that he's just every woman. <laughs> he's he, and the drugs. They're downplaying the drugs. He had satchels full. I believe he had two suitcases full of drugs. Yeah, with him on tour. He was, as they said, a walking drugstore. He was he was on such dangerous levels of different kinds of drugs in immense dosages. The miracle is he made it. Oh yeah. He was on so many drugs. And he couldn't understand that drugs were a problem. He literally couldn't understand. <laughs> people would be like Priscilla Presley, people would say, Why didn't you have an intervention or whatever? They try to suggest that she does that in the movie. But in real life she's like, he would have laughed. He, that would you would have gotten zero traction. He couldn't understand. He'd been raised on drugs, basically. Yeah. They're all over the music industry. That's how you get through touring. How do you think Johnny Cash went? And, you, yeah. know, you know, uh, what's his face? Hank, Hank. Why am I about to say Hank Aaron? It's not Hank Aaron. The famous, famous Hank. Hank, Hank Williams? Williams, who dies at, he's 30, maybe? Yeah. yeah. And then Johnny Cash was a hair away from dying. They were all doing drugs so you could be on these punishing, punishing tours. Yeah. Johnny Cash says he didn't. he didn't think Elvis was using him super young. He was so energetic. He said he didn't seem to need it, but that was when he was like 19. Right. I and then they keep pulling these order. stunts. You know, he, they keep putting him on like a, a 15 day tour. Yes. Of 15 in cities. 15 cities. Insane. Exactly. He's doing that on drugs. He was in the army on drugs. That's yeah. how he was getting through <laughs> all the stuff they put you through in the military, you know? So he just didn't have a concept. And admittedly, it was a very drug taking time most of his life. So yeah, every you know, having a Doctor Feelgood figure, everybody did. It seemed like so many people. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, why they're downplaying that, even though they're they're also well, suggesting, yes, he's horribly drug addicted. But yeah. I mean, it's like some of the really grotesque stuff that would go with the carnival thing. Uh huh. Are really, and again, I hate to keep harping on it, but it seems to me they really want to create an Elvis who they'll acknowledge it, but in a way that doesn't make it stay in your mind. Just again to make Elvis this kind of exploited angel of talent kind of figure who doesn't know. who doesn't have so much of that side. Why else not have the gross gross level of womanizing? I mean, just an insane level. He's on camera calling out to somebody. That woman, that girl, she gave the greatest head. I mean, just like out of control. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Though there was there was how could it not be? He'd been so famous so long, and in not. Not sweet circles, you know. He's some of it's going to rub off, and it really is hugely downplayed. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that particular, if uh, downplaying the woman. I think I see the drug use a little differently than you do, but I, I can only imagine downplaying the womanizing is so he could get the blessing and the publicity of Priscilla and Lisa. Marie. Oh, I think. Yeah, oh, I think that's definitely some of this is just doctored up so the family will fully approve and and come out. Yeah, because but it's also Pris like Priscilla you, went to the Met Gala, which Boz Lerman directed, yes, directed on the, on the arm of Austin Butler. <laughs> so oh, God, yes, no, it has it. something to do with the publicity for his film. Oh, Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you want to talk just commercializing everything? Boz Lerman is yep. no surprise that he still has the record for the most expensive ad because you can watch his movies and go, yeah, it looks like a big ad. All right, I can yeah. see you'd be great at it. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't like him. I just don't like him. I don't know. Okay, I, it worked for like that. It had a lot of how to say. Like I was was I looking to this for like whatever the truth is about Elvis Presley? Mm -hmm. No, I mean I don't really. I don't think I'd look to a film for that. But I thought it was like a an interesting like recreation of the feelings that Elvis evokes 
in a lot of ways, at least for me. It's like the ultimate, so much crassness, so much commercialism, so much energy, and um, so much darkness and ugliness. And to me, that's like all on the screen. And oh my God, I'm opposite. There's so little ugliness. There's so little. <laughs> looking, at a, looking at an image of the Nightmare Alley and the geek thing. Yeah. He's like a stand-in for what you would show if you really wanted to show the, the geek thing. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, it just seems like it's all star space. It's got sequins all over it. It's just like it's constantly gesturing and not doing. Like, what's the really ugly scene? Oh, here? to me, all like, those interiors, nothing could be more depressing than where he lives in Vegas. And that uh-huh. sunken living room and those three TVs uh-huh. and his dark bedroom with the like carpeting on the ceiling. I to me it's the most oppressive. It makes oh. my skin crawl. <laughs> I guess I guess because I saw the 79 version. Which yeah. is so again, giving even the year helps it look yeah, of course, so of much course. worse. <laughs> so much tawdry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. I do. We're just reacting. We're just literally looking at different things. Like different details are sticking out to us. That's yeah. Like, I think we're seeing the same things and just like other things are interesting to us. Because to me, I will not go see a movie about Elvis if there's no interest in the truth about Elvis. I would have z- why would I want to care? Then call it Melvin. I don't give a shit. Uh, uh, that, that's the whole thing. And, you know, Lerman is so cynically playing on exactly what you're saying. He's like, well, is, uh, is it really a movie about Elvis? It's a movie about America. But wait, then he's I, got. I well, wait, stop. let me finish. Okay. Oh, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say Priscilla Presley is out there saying, Austin, I said to Austin Butler, you, if Elvis were here now, he'd say, you are me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the bid for authenticity. That's so huge. But while he can disavow it and say, no, it's really just a film about America. So he wins either way. It just makes me crazy. Makes Did me- Lorman say that? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, okay. there's an interview where he's talking about, yeah, it's really a film about America. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I, I guess I would say, I mean, I don't, I, I kind of don't, I would look for the truth about Elvis, the phenomenon. I wouldn't uh-huh. look for the truth about Elvis, the person. Well, sure. That's okay. But that okay. seems to be, we're kind of dicing with words a little. Obviously, we can't know the inner the inner soul, though I think you can always get glimmerings, can't you? How else are you going to know anyone? <laughs> I mean, you can't know anyone, I guess you could say. But well, when you know that that's what you're using to get people in, that's that's the whole thing you're using. You know, people are not going to go see a movie about America, about a made-up energy. Well, it would have to be a master. So they're going to use the fact that now I'm re- we're really going to show you Elvis and Elvis in his setting in a way you've never seen. So you'll feel like you understand Elvis better and or get reacquainted if he's really aiming at that, though he doesn't seem to. Yeah. But it just seems to me the authenticity bit is built into the biopic. Otherwise, why have a whole genre? I mean, now, you're, you're not wrong. How to say it? Um... I like I didn't think this was like so intensely obsessed with like psychology. I I thought it was more about like the worlds that Elvis. I I, I guess I agree with Lorman. I think it does feel like more the worlds that Elvis signifies less obsessed with, you know, why did he make the decisions that he made? And maybe it's easier for me to like not even consider those personal questions because, you know, I know a little bit about him like a lot of people do. And so much of the film is fictionalized. That I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I, I, I guess I just like the championing of Vegas Elvis. I'm like so grateful. <laughs> like, and it, I, I still can't see the championing. Huh? I'm just like baffled by this. You're, you're right. He, he does show Elvis pulling out a, a kind of adapting. I still think he's just showing Elvis adapting his, his essential genius mm-hmm. to the big, 
the bigger style that he'd already been thinking about before he's in Vegas. He's already saying, I've already been working on this. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like, yes, he goes to Vegas, but Vegas is completely associated with the trap that's set for him by the Colonel. So again, we're just looking at different ways to set up. For you, it's a championing. For me, it's no, it's once again, Elvis salvages what he can out of the worst of this, you know, really demonic, tawdry, awful, worst of worst of American life. So, I mean, I think I was just, again, you followed the op- the, the style of it, which is the spangled, <laughs> you know, all yes. the way through. And I went, where'd the spangled go? I thought, that's what I thought you were going to do. I thought you were going to be like, you know, but, but, but film Elvis found a way to be great and Vegas Elvis, but he doesn't. Film Elvis, tut, 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 that's so bad. Mm. We're just going to show the end of it and how bad that was. Hmm. Vegas, we're showing Elvis is desperate, wants something completely different, but has to save himself somehow. And then he's destroyed in Vegas. But he's not at odds with the Vegas aesthetic. He is the Vegas aesthetic. His jumpsuits. Well, sure, but we've been seeing from the beginning. My hero is Captain Marvel, who wore capes. Yeah. Uh, He was always into bling. So you're right. So that does seem in a way he just ups, but that goes along with the music. I've found I've found a way to adapt my music to this new big style mm-hmm. that will fit this giant stage. Well, I found a way to adapt my bling to the Vegas style. I mean, we're just looking again at different. Okay. We're just okay. Like, you know, <laughs> I still see because it's so associated with with Colonel Parker, unless you want to reclaim Colonel Parker somewhat. And again, there's the lugubrious and everything, but it's so creepy that I don't think you really can. Mm-hmm. is he's the big villain of the piece who destroys Elvis. And then he himself is destroyed, wandering around the slots, as they tell you at the end, you know, mm-hmm. rapid old man. It just seems like, and the International isn't even a good looking hotel, not mm-hmm. even an exciting Vegas hotel. It's an off the strip, generic looking hotel. So it just seems like the very rooms you're pointing to are like, God, this is so nothing. And Elvis has to make something out of it from his native genius. And... But he's fighting the, the, the Vegas aesthetic all the way. But I guess it's... God, I'm just not reading it like that. But no, that's okay. I know. We just, we're opposed. So <laughs> okay. you guys can be the judge. We have opposed <laughs> views on Vegas. Yes. Vegas Elvis's handle of this film. <laughs> so are we missing anything? Do we need to talk? About, I think you've already talked a little bit about the music. There's a ton of famous people who had you know, some contri- contributions, sang, you know, played, and, you know, tons. We need to listen to all no, I mean, maybe we can pause for a moment. What I appreciated uh-huh. about the mix of music here, which does contain like contemporary hip hop mixed with music of yeah. Elvis's time and before. Um, in the past, I've really disliked Baz Luhrmann's mixing of yeah. uh, time periods and genres. Like to me, Moulin Rouge is the most egregious example. I'm not a purist. Mm-hmm. Like I like the Pomo style of Romeo and Juliet because I think that um, there's enough... Uh, uh, like consistency behind why he made those decisions about, you know, to set it in Southern LA that like makes sense in terms of the play. But then I think he really loses it. And like the great Gatsby and Moulin Rouge just seem to be unhinged and have like, you know, contemporary music for no reason um, that I can understand, <laughs> except it's just mm-hmm. like, wouldn't it be fun to mix all these things together? Mm-hmm. I thought this film was back to making some sense out of Baz Luhrmann's Pomo style because all of the music is American, is black artists and white artists. And, you know, I mean, it's an obvious point, but since Elvis Elvis is such an important like node in the history of American music to look forward and backward in this way in a film about him, like makes at least there's a reason to me musically <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to include all of this mixing, including mixing of time periods. Um, how did it feel for you? 
I mean, I, I think I agree with you. It works better in this for sure. This, yeah. And that does seem, it's a very clear reason why um, it's, it's working this way. Unfortunately, I mean, I didn't find it that memorable. The use of the other music. I mean, I kept noting it. It's very, yeah. it's not like you're going to miss it, <laughs> but he's not, I don't, for all his insistence on music in his films and he has a great deal of oversight and all that jazz. He's really in on the design of it. Of course, in every movie, I don't find him a very memorable guy for that. In fact, I don't find mm -hmm. his films memorable, which is my biggest problem with them. I, I've seen almost, I think I've seen almost, I've seen all his major films and I barely remember them. <laughs> you know, it just other than, you know, I can remember some flash. I might remember a sort of image from a scene, but I think I always find he, he just has, a, he has trouble making, making it significant. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course the Elvis songs, because they, there's no way to avoid their significance. In fact, he's, if anything, over pumping their significance in certain sequences. Mm -hmm. um, but so naturally you're going to remember those, but the other stuff, even though I would kind of go, Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. I hear it, I just I, I won't remember I won't remember this most of this film. Like, I'll give Austin Butler a little credit. I'll remember a little of him, but I won't remember most of this film. I swear to God, and yeah. in a month I won't remember. I think that's it's, true. I think that's yeah. a good assessment. So he's a very consumable commercial director who, t in my mind, gets a bizarre amount of respect. I don't understand why he's so respected. <laughs> he's an auteur only to the if we still can use those words only to the extent that he's. You you know it's him like mm -hmm. it's let's shall we say very recognizable style but but yeah he just seems like he does consumer high end consumer goods very high end yeah and then they're gone but he gets a tremendous amount of respect and attention but maybe that's just success anyone who's that successful for that long is going to be considered great America tends to do that <laughs> maybe I, the world I don't know but certainly America tends to do that if you've been success that long people just assume you must be great or how could you have made so much money over so many years that kind of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it does this does seem like a quintessential like it does seem ripe for the Lorman treatment I can kind of understand uh, why he why he chose it obviously. oh yeah it seems like right a very typical kind of Lorman-y <laughs> yeah showbizy uh move uh absolutely yeah now that doesn't seem surprising so much yeah but, will will it be yeah. a film for the ages like yeah perhaps not i thought it was like pretty thrilling in the moment uh -huh. um and an exciting like mood board <laughs> no it, it, it kind of an exciting to me it had some exciting things to say about show business uh -huh. but nothing new it's not like it's saying anything new <laughs> right right um yeah Right. And yeah, obviously I, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I just wound up being sort of, you know, tired and it's very, it's very big. It's very bombastic. So if you just want eye dazzle and, you know, stuff, you know, things that are loud and big, this is it. And, you know, it does seem like the country's in a, in a, in a real loud and big mood. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> and you might even say otherwise. It makes me very fearful. I don't, I hate America most when it's most, <laughs> it's always in this mood somewhat. <laughs> But when it's most in this mood, I just shudder because because this is the this is like the fifties, this is like the eighties, this is like mm. uh, this kind of bombast. And to me, it's stupid. It's stupid, shiny bombast mm. and weird self love that I just like ah. So I yeah yeah maybe I'm just feeling morbid because of obviously recent terror terrifying developments. Um, not even politically, just <laughs> yeah, just in terms of yeah. Uh, the survival of the world practically but um yeah it, the, seeing top gun and jurassic park jurassic world dominion and then seeing this 
it's it's taken its toll on me. Oy. It's true. It's maximalist, and yeah, that it's definitely fearful. Like we're on a just on a fascist precipice. We are. <laughs> we're on a big old fascist journey, <laughs> and it's manifesting itself in in many many ways. And it seems like the the films this summer, which by the way, the whole industry is just in a state of utter rejoicing. Back finally approved people will go to movies, and now. Elvis comes along and you can get older people to go to the movies, which is just like, you can just imagine they're having parties all over the place over this. Yeah. But yeah, I just, it distresses me to see the kind of, the kind of thing we're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, um, let's, as long as we don't blame Elvis. (laughs) Oh no, we don't blame Elvis, you know, and I, you know, I I really, I, I didn't realize to the extent that, that. A number of people just think he's truly, truly a passe figure. I read a, a thing and I meant to quote it and, and look it up again and I forgot, but in the LA Times, it was like, Ugh. oh, this is a film that's meant to kind of rejuvenate Elvis and reintroduce him to people who think he's not worth anything. And he really needs it because, and it's clearly written by a young music critic, and it's just, he's passe, he's passe, he's, he's got an ugly legacy, you know, especially in terms of race and music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just everything about it is just like it's old hat, and you you got to try to show us why anyone should care. And to me, that's just like so startling. I'm like, me too. Elvis needs to be defended. He this immensely. I mean, whether you love his music or hate it, or think you know, there's ugly parts of his legacy. I certainly do. God knows. Um, but that he, you can't dismiss that he's just in the crosshairs of a very important era of pop culture. It just seems weird. I'm it with you. Seems- weird to, to take this attitude that he just Elvis doesn't matter anymore and you have to show me why in any way he does and I'm like I don't have to show you <laughs> <laughs> it already had done happen man it's already happened right right uh, anyway yeah yeah, yeah exhibit <laughs> B American pop culture after yeah. 1956 yeah. <laughs> kind of so. like that yes exactly yeah <laughs> so anyway sorry ranting ranting um so final notes any thoughts no, I think Any we re-arrange? said it all. I think we beat it to death. So, okay, <laughs> that is it for our episode, Elvis and the Showbiz Hysteria of Boz Lerman. Thank you to your listeners. And of course, triple thanks to our subscribers who keep us in sweet se- our sequin jumpsuits that we love. <laughs> if you're not a subscriber yet, but you like what you hear, please consider signing up a Patreon for all the films that constant. Instead of just half, you can follow News of the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we will be back in a couple weeks with another film sub suck episode. Until then, thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye.